station ears. Yeah, hello podcasters. Uh, welcome to a special episode of Revelation Station Podcast. In this episode, rather than reviewing an album, we shall be interviewing someone. Ooh, yes indeed. You see, some time ago we received an email. Indeedy do. I have it here. Dear Ultimate Dudes, I am... Wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't start the email that way. What's with the rustling paper sound effect? Well, it was an email, and the sound effect from an email is just a mouse click. I thought this gave us dramatic licence. Well, dramatic licence or not, he didn't start the email that way. No one's ever called us Ultimate Dudes. Give it here, I'll read it. No, I'm going to... Give it here. No, I... There, you've torn it now. Are you happy? Torn it? It's an email. Um. Well, now I can't read it out. Well, that was your fault. Anyway, how are we fighting over it? You're 20 miles away. We're recording over the internet. It's just a sound effect. Um. Oh, let's just get on with the episode. Well, go on then. Right, as I was saying, greetings, stationeers, and welcome back to the Revelation Station. In this episode, rather than reviewing an album, we're going to be speaking with a very special guest, Adam Galloway, who recently released his Covering All Stations album onto streaming services everywhere. At the end of last year, Adam sent us a very nice email saying how much he liked the podcast and introducing us to his album. After hearing this, I immediately, six weeks later, contacted Adam to ask him if he'd like to come on the show and here he is, all the way from Los Angeles. Hello, Adam. Hey, Simon, Gary, how are you guys doing today? I'm good, Simon. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. You know, thank you so much for uh, having me on. Uh, this is it's great to always talk about Genesis. And um, yeah, just in the in the process of doing all these covers. So it's really fun to, uh, to you know, be talking to you just about Genesis in general. Yeah. Wow, we don't get that very often. Um, nobody ever <laughs> wants to talk to us about Genesis. <laughs> I know, same. Yeah, so... <laughs> so it's, it's very interesting that somebody contacts us and says, please, can I talk to you about Genesis? We, we just don't get that, ever. <laughs> right, yeah, it's like between... It's pretty much my dad, my dad's best friend, the guitar player, the drummer, you know. That, that's kind of... That's my little circle. We have our little circle of people <laughs> I talk to Genesis about, and that's... Well, I have Gary, and that's it. Everybody else I know just rolls their eyes at me whenever I bring the subject up. He's trying to corrupt his daughters uh, by playing them Genesis. I mean, they're, what, 11 and 13, Simon? Hmm. How's that going? 12 and 14. 12 and 14. Where's the years go? (laughs) And he plays them such utter gibberish. I'm almost tempted to report him to somebody for child cruelty. (laughs) Really well, just played the most services. appalling. Can you imagine a fourteen-year-old child these days being interested in Genesis? I mean, I don't know what their teachers think of Simon. I really is don't. It, is it working? Is it uh, any any progress or no? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little. There's, there's interest, yeah. but it's not like a real musical interest. It's that they uh, they recognise it, but they don't choose to listen to any right. of it. So. Yeah, it's, it's become... my daughter, however, one of my daughters, my oldest daughter, does like Muse, so okay. she's going yeah. along the right path. Yeah, it's the right direction. Along the right path, for sure. The brainwashing is working. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, actually, that's how I got into it. The same way uh, was from my dad 
putting on Phil Collins and Genesis, both of the both, you know, separately. It's not the, not the same person as a lot of, you know, as a lot of people think, you know, it's like uh, his uh, Berlin 1990 uh, show, that video of that I watched. I have yeah. videos of me sitting in front of the video watching it. Um, I watched that and a lot of the you know, way we walk. And so that era, I was kind of like a really like a toddler because I was born in 1989. I'm 31 now. So that was around the era yeah. I kind of started getting. It was the We Can't Dance era. And um, that's why Calling All Stations is, is such a big album for me because that was kind of my first big new Genesis album when I was eight, you know. <laughs> and, mm. uh, so, uh, you know, and I was yeah. actually really into it at that point. So, um, uh, hmm. yeah, yeah. It was a, my... See, that, that's kind of my theory there is that the, your favorite album by a, a band is often the one that they release, the first one they release after you get into them. Right. So that kind of proves that. Yeah. For me. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not always the best albums either. You look back at their catalog and you can mm. easily have a subjectively and an object you know, one that's like, okay, here's the musical, you know, things I can take from these albums that are actually way better than the one I like, but I less like that one for many reasons that's only I can describe, you know, the only I can kind of have exactly, because yeah. of my memories and nostalgia and stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. we reviewed that yeah. uh, a while ago because that was obviously we when we reviewed them, we did them in order, um, and it's it's an album that that Simon was very familiar with, but I had never heard mm. that album before, um, and so it was it was quite an, an interest to listen to it for the very first time. I'm am ne- never going to say it was one of my favourite Genesis albums, right? Because because it was very mm. different from what had gone before Genesis wise. Mm-hmm. You said you got into this that album and a, a few others, um, but through your father, yes, yeah, yeah. My dad, uh, uh, Dan Galloway, he's he's probably the reason I got into all this in the first place. It was just growing up. I, he was the one who really. Um, so, Dad, if you're listening, hey, you know, uh, <laughs> nobody's and, uh, nobody's listening. Adam. Nobody's listening. <laughs> this is a little live broadcast here. Um, no, yeah, nobody no. ever listens to us ever. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like Tony solo, solo material. Not that anybody cares. You know? <laughs> right. um, but yeah, my dad, he got me into it. The just kind of the same way, Simon. You're trying to just play music in the background. It just kind of stuck for me. Um, and over the years, I mean, we've always had a great relationship talking about it and we went and saw 2007 um the that reunion tour you know and and i was 18 at that point so it was i was kind of at the perfect age to kind of really enjoy it um you know obviously it's that's not their best tour better than it's better than the calling all stations tour i'll I'll give it that um (laughs) i I recently watched a video of that tour um which was available on youtube Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't bad Um, calling all stations yeah um, yeah, but the lights, man. Yeah, it looked I know. like a cover it was band. A, it was a there. terrible set. It really was yeah. a terrible set. It was, it was, it was not a set you would expect from a world class band. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, it was a weird mix of legacy songs and then calling all station songs. You know, yeah. it was this. Yeah. It, like the the end of the set, it was like what throwing it all away. I can't dance. Invisible touch. Like I, those aren't really songs that are gonna fit Ray's strong you know vocal style i think you know his lower kind of 
tone. I think they yeah. could have maybe not just thrown out hits that they knew that people liked, but kind of done gone back to that progier kind of style that they had talked about. They even said that in the promotion, you know, that we have this huge stage and this new setup and it was supposed to be this. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen the actual, um, there's like a, I just posted it recently on, on uh, the Calling All Stations appreciation group that I started on Facebook. But it's it's the what the design of the stage originally was. You know how you have those like animations where they show what the stage was going to be. Hmm. Like they had that with um, the Turn It On Again tour. They had that. Was um, that the one that was like the Greek columns? It, it, yeah, it's like these massive columns that kind of were rising and falling, and there was like six or seven of those jumbotron screens behind them. And oh, so, right, like, right. you know, I mean, that's still not really it's, there was no, still no lights there, but it, it at least kind of gave them more of a visual theatrical standpoint, it's a bit more of a of, dynamic background than the one they eventually toured with. Right. Which was nothing, which was yeah, the, nothing which but a few lights rising and falling paper mache things in the background that, you know, you can make a lot of jokes about those. Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and so they really just didn't have a visual element to help them, you know, unfortunately. And, of course, Chester and Daryl were on Phil's tour. You could tell Tony Smith. You could tell where his <laughs> where his real allegiances lie during this period because, you know, Dance in the Light was amazing, this this tour. Mm. And then Calling All Stations is kind of this dud, you know, and you could <laughs> – because he's he managing both of them, but he's kind of got to choose which which artist is going to really draw the bigger crowd. And at that point, it was Phil. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting looking back at that tour because I think the tour is where they really messed up. Not the album is a little clunky, but it's also kind of like we can't dance where it's, it's has a lot of pop songs bloated with pop songs and then a few good, really good prog songs in both albums, mm. but they both have a similar format of long, a little bit too long and maybe picked a few of the wrong B sides. Yeah. Know. I agree with you on that one. There's some of the tracks which are great tracks, but they just seem to go on just that little bit too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the tour, I agree with you on that again. Um, they picked, I think, the songs for their popularity rather than the fact that they worked well with that vocalist. Right. Yeah. I mean, Ray's voice obviously is a lot closer to Peter's voice. Right. But they were still sticking with the Phil era songs. Yeah. Yeah. So they just didn't sound really, you know, really good when when they were performing them. And I think that let, as you say, Adam, that I think that did let the tour down purely mm. because it didn't sound mm. quite right. Maybe if they'd gone with with some some more of the of Peter stuff, it might have sounded a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Try to go more in and lead in on the instrumental stuff. I mean, you also lost a drummer. You know, they had the two drummers going, and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. technically now, you know, in 2021, they they only have one drummer too. But I mean, I, I think it's interesting adding in the backing singers seems mm-hmm. like a strange choice. Not in in having backing singers is a strange because obviously Fish when he tours, he has backing singers, right? But for Genesis, they've never had backing singers before. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, seems, to be hmm, fair, they they were really carrying Phil though on his you know, most recent tour. I mean, mm. you know, there was a lot of points where he would just, you could see in the bootlegs, he just stopped singing, you know, during some choruses and just let yeah. them to kind of take over. And, and I'm hopefully, I'm really hoping that his voice will, has gotten better, you know, that, that it's not, mm-hmm. he's not the same exact person as the performer we saw during his last tour. Cause uh, you know, to be fair, he, I think he can, I think he's got, now he's got a lot of time that hopefully he's able to really get his voice back and, 
You know, I mean, it looks like mm-hmm. there's a little drum kit behind the backup singers. You know, maybe he'll play something with uh, with Nick. You know, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of cool things. The, the lights, though, look amazing. It's like finally for the first time in a long yes. time we're getting a good visual light show that's actually you know it's like the you kind of got those moving platforms similar to we can't dance yeah that tour. the rigs look pretty pretty impressive don't they yeah 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 the big domino yeah. shapes yeah. and uh all the i do like the screens because they're more yeah that yeah yeah i'm not sure if that's a i, I thought squonk too a little bit um but the more people talk mm-hmm. about it they talk about the, the like a wolf um i just don't see people people have talked about them playing white mountain i just i don't I don't know. I mean, have you listened to that song recently? It doesn't sound like anything they would do. Phil's yeah, voice, yeah, yeah. no way Phil could still do that song. No. So they'd no, only no, no. be doing maybe an intro. Mm. And but then they may do a musical medley of, of some tracks. Yeah. So we may see it in that. Yes. Actually, that would be great. Medley, yeah. Anyway, um, what are your what are your musical tastes broadly? For the most part, I would say my main genre, quote unquote, would be progressive rock. You know, Genesis, uh, Marillion is my second favorite, uh, and then Transatlantic, mm. Porcupine Tree, Dream Theater. Those are some other ones. Um, and then obviously, I do have a soft spot for just kind of electronic music and pop and stuff like that. And that's actually yeah. what a lot of my original music is kind of like that electronic music style, kind of that you hear you know more often in like electronic dance music festivals and stuff, but mixed in with some more kind of cinematic Genesis kind of stuff, which is okay. kind of hard. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hard, uh, hard target audience, I guess it's a niche. It's a weird, it's a weird yeah. genre. So it's kind of like, I think doing these covers has kind of given me more of like something to ground onto something, you know, the songs that I know that I can kind of recreate and add my own spin to it and uh, recreate with, uh, you know, other people. I should mention by the way that, you know, I, I can't do this without my drummer, you know, Matt Roland Hall and Gino Samuel, the singer, and then Brooks Lee, mm-hmm. who's actually the guitarist. And he's he's actually been my like best friend for the last like 13 years. And we actually became friends through Genesis. Um, I got him into Genesis because cool. I, I knew he liked Led Zeppelin. And for some reason that triggered yeah. Genesis to me. So I was like, oh, OK, odd time signatures, uh, uh, keyboards. I don't know. So I just kind of tried it and he loved it and he's he's been a huge fan ever since and he's the one doing all the guitars um so all three of them are huge huge parts because basically i just started i start i kind of have a a easy like little midi arrangement of everything put it in and they send me all their parts separately and i mix them in over time and we kind of just develop them so there's a lot of demos with different you know live drums but no guitar and 
you know, and uh, vocals, but no drums and, you know, things like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's been really fun to kind of take apart the, all the songs and piece them together in different ways. But, uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, those other three guys have been really, really helpful in this whole process. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, they both, they all have like full-time jobs. This is just a, you know, passion project for them as well. So yeah. I'm not sure how long we'll be able to continue with this lineup, continuing to make the albums, but our plan is just continuing to go kind of in reverse chronological order and just picking out some of our favorite songs from each album. Um, we're almost done with, we can't, we can't cover. That's the next one. Um, and then <laughs> Invis- invisible covers is the the one after that. And we're, we're progressing on that one as well. So yeah, we're just kind of keeping the momentum up and just, you know, continuing to record and, um, and do all that stuff. But going back to your original question of the music I like, it's, yeah, it's a lot of progressive rock, pop, EDM. Um, and um, I love, obviously love cinematic music, um, you know, music that, you know, like John Williams, Hans Zimmer. Hmm. Uh, Cause actually that's the, that's what I want to do when I'm like 60 years old, you know, like I want to be a, an established film composer. Cause I actually do film scores as well. And um, that's like another thing I do. That's really kind of brings out more of the creative side of me. And, uh, yeah, so between these covers and then scoring films and kind of doing my originals, which are kind of pushed to the side right now, because, you know, you could kind of do those anytime, I think. Um, yeah. So I've, I've really been focusing on a lot of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, musically, it's kind of mostly in those genres of electronic music and rock. About the, the the other members of your band, so so you mentioned Brooks. Who who yep. else is in the band? Um, so uh, the other two members, um, they're actually uh, the Gino Gino Samuel. He's mm-hmm. from Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, and uh, I actually found him online on YouTube doing a Calling All Stations cover for wow. that song. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, he probably would be interested in singing on the album then if he's doing other covers, you know. And he actually he was he was very interested in. He's been interested in these other albums as well. I mean, we can't cover. He wasn't able to sing on all of them, but Invisible covers, he will sing on all of them. So, you know, we're obviously it's kind of all that kind of stuff switches around. But uh, but I found him through that YouTube video and same with the drummer, uh, Matt Roland Hall. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's uh, two two names at the end, Roland Hall. And uh, he 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 actually I I found him through a Fading Lights drum cover on YouTube as well, like another YouTube cover. And uh, what's crazy is he had never even heard Calling All Stations before he recorded this whole album. Wow. So he basically listened to the album and learned the drum parts and then recorded them. And, you know, so what you wow. hear on there, like, is is just him, like, figuring this out after being a Phil fan for his whole life. Because he's he has the same history as me where he grew up, you know, as like some toddler watching Phil Collins concerts. And yeah. he, I even had there's like some footage of him drumming as a kid, you know, and so he's. He's definitely always been a big Phil and Genesis fan, but I think he also is leans more on the side of Chester's style. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of drumming, he's always talked about that. He really likes playing the the parts Chester would play live during drum duets and stuff. And um, it's cool because he'll record a lot of double drum tracking. You know, so like um, we actually uh, he and I just um, pretty we're pretty much finishing up a, a, a colors. Uh, Phil Collins colors, not true mm. colors. 
uh, which I every time I type in colors for Phil Collins, True Colors <laughs> pops up, um, which is not the same song. Yeah, he did do a cover of that though, didn't he? Uh, True True Colors, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so we're I'm actually working on an in the air tonight cover in, in colors, so kind of his most popular and his most obscure, but like our favorite song. So. Um, with in the air tonight, we're actually doing it with a. There's this pop singer we're we're doing it with Isaac uh, Bradley, yeah. um, but Brooks has added his guitar and Matt's doing his drums over it. Um, and then for colors, it's kind of this thing where Matt and I did everything, all the the vocals, the the drums, the well, he did the drums, I didn't do any drums. Um, I did MIDI drums, <laughs> but I I recorded the you know some some backup vocals. He did the main vocals, and then he we kind of just did everything else together, and. Um, yeah, and and Brooks and I, we've been recording music for years. You know, we have a, we actually the first thing we did when we when we met and we hung out was we tried to record a Dream Theater cover, yeah, and we recorded it into a DAT a, a DAT player, um, like an actual digital audio wow. tape, <laughs> and <laughs> but like we recorded it so that my MIDI keyboard was going through the right speaker and his guitar was going through the left speaker. And that was, that was the recording. That was what we had. So it was pull me under. It was just that first little intro for pull me under. And, uh, and he, uh, yeah, it's like we both, that was our recording, you know, was just the, the completely left and right, which doesn't sound good with music. You know, you mm-hmm. can't just do that unless it's part of a, so <laughs> it was, it was funny to kind of eventually progress to garage band and then eventually logic and, you know, uh, so it's it's funny to listen to some of our old recordings and how they've all progressed. So when you record now, have you got access to a studio or is it pr- pretty much a home-based um, recording studio? Yep, the latter. Uh, yeah, I just pretty much it, everything is just on my computer and Logic and uh, everyone sends me their parts. You know, I, I like I said, I create the MIDI, the, the original kind of arrangement for the song, you know, um, using just all keyboard stuff and, yeah. uh, and then... That's kind of their framework to kind of record the parts. Um, and the, but yeah, they've I, I've actually really I like that process. I think it's a lot harder for me to be someone like a Nick Davis who's just sitting in there recording the process, recording the takes and mixing it while it's recording. And like that's to me, that's mm-hmm. a little more pressure. There's just more. All right, you get you got that right. You didn't stop recording, you know. And it's like that was my best take. You know, I'm always <laughs> there's the anxiety of just not recording something. Um, you know, but with what, with this, I kind of have the time that that's why I also like being a composer because it gives me the chance to like sit with something and think about it and then, then put it out on the screen and, or, you know, audio or whatever. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of been my process lately, you know, it's been working, working a lot online and honestly, like I prefer that in general, I'm just more of an introvert. So I, I personally like just all the online stuff. Um, do they send all their their parts in separately to you or do you um do your part send it off to them then they add their part to that or do you mix everything when it gets to you it's basically we all have a shared uh dropbox folder and anytime i have a new demo i'll put it in there you know uh, uh, most recent demos and so whenever they're ready to record their part like whenever gino wants to do his vocals he'll just go in there and pick out the most recent demo and he'll record over it he'll send me just by itself his vocals and then you know some dry a dry clean vocal track and then he sends i you know he sends it over i mix it in and then i'll put a new mix up with his vocals added cuz i was wondering th- th- how you do it like that do you have any difficulties with timing? Uh, no, 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 because uh, everyone's pretty much, there's usually almost always a, the, the correct tempo. I make sure everything's lined up. Um, and 
you know, at that point, if they anything that goes out of time would just be if they want to do it creatively, some kind of extra fill or something. But you know, at that point, everyone's got the tempos and the 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 songs are set to where if you put it into a project with a metronome, they should be able to record it and it won't sound off. Um, so we've kind of got a good system down now to where when they send me their parts, I don't have to tweak everything a little bit to the right because of like sample rates or anything. I don't know. We just the way they've been recording it, it all just kind of has been working out. You know, there's obviously a little sometimes here and there where I might have to do something different, but it generally works out with what they send me. You say you've got a good system going, though, but surely a better system would be to have local musicians. Why, why have you decided to go down this route and have people from all around the world uh, coming together to do this? Why didn't you go with a local band? Well, uh, personally, I guess I just, you know, it, it is harder to... Because what I used to do back in high school and college, I used to be more of a keyboard player. I'd want to go out and, and I'd try to join a bunch of bands and I was trying to kind of be like a keyboard player for a band. The more I kind of like did that over and over, I kind of realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. That's why I wanted to be a producer, composer. Um, but also, you know, it's funny because Isaac, uh, Isaac Bradley, the singer for In the Air Tonight, actually lives in Los Angeles. But we still haven't met. Like we, I, we hadn't even met before I got like before I got here. We, we you know, maybe four or five years ago, we had been talking on Instagram. And we're like, hey, let's do a song, and we just never got to it. Now we're finally getting to it, and I live in LA, and we still haven't met met up. But also, this is just this process is just easier to work with because it's if if someone actually even said, hey, can I come over and record? I'd be like, uh, I don't have I don't have recording equipment. You know, I'm more mm-hmm. of the the arranger and the mixer and the the producer after something's been recorded so it, it kind of works out in the sense that everyone can just do their it, it, you 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 lose the jamming aspect you know obviously that yeah. you you're all together in one room but i kind of try to to mix it so that it sounds a little bit live like the mixture of like a like a soundboard almost you know like a soundboard recording to where it, it does sound like it's a mixture of the the live tracks and studio kind of like something like like seconds out you know um, it, I guess it's just a harder, it's harder for me just to, to try to meet up with someone and record their, let, it, it's easier for everyone to just do their thing on their own and send it to me. And then I can continue to mix all these parts that are being sent to me. I don't know. It's, I, I, it's hard to explain why it's easier. I guess I just feel like for me personally, it's just a much easier process and for my personality and my, uh, you know, producer style, I guess.
say your your main passion is composing. Mm-hmm. So why did you do such a literal translation of these tracks? Weren't you tempted <laughs> to put your own spin on these tracks? Yes. Yeah, good question. I mean, yeah, because there was there was a part of me that thought, you know, maybe we do something completely different with a few of the songs. But then I realized, I'm like, I, I personally, these five songs I picked, I liked every a lot, pretty much everything about them. I mean, there's a few, like, subtle changes. Like in One Man's Fool, I took out that weird keyboard section in the middle that, I personally just never liked. Um, so that was one. That was one where, place where I just kind of took liberty. Um, but then, in there must be some other way. I actually, you know, I brought back in the keyboard solo and did my own solo on the style over the style of Tony. Basically, kind of like I basically copied what happened before in mm. the in the keyboard part and pasted it into the end, and then took out the keyboard solo and re- just did my own solo in a style that Tony maybe would have done. Um, I tried to kind of make it a little more retro, kind of something he might have done in like Wind and Weathering or something. Yeah. Uh, but so the end of There Must Be Some Other Way, I, I did. I mean, that's almost 10 minutes now. Um, but, uh, you know, in songs like Alien Afternoon, you know, that's a song where you kind of have to make it different just a little bit by necessity, you know, hmm. because it's so many weird stuff and sounds going on. But yeah. I, I didn't really want to do some acoustic version of One Man's Fool. Like I just like I'm like, I don't know. To me yeah. what I like about the album and this music specifically was I was the production was you know, I know it's it's flat in some places. I know like the overall sound of it could have been better, but I mean Sign Your Life Away and Anything Now, I mean those two those are some two great B sides that sound amazing that really could have lifted the album if you maybe took out if that's what you need or you know um, some of those slower ones but back to the arrangement part and like not mixing it up i just i guess i felt like the 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 five songs i picked i didn't want to pick apart too much i didn't want to put it in another key or anything i kind of also too it's harder to direct that is where it gets a little bit more difficult to have the online remote thing is saying hey why don't you record the drums like that? Hey, maybe the vocals should be a little different, you know, and try yeah. to tell them to do things differently than what's in the original. And usually they'll do that a little bit just anyways, just certain inflections and stuff like that. But I, I don't want it to sound too different because I personally, this, this album specifically doesn't get any real attention or love. So I feel like, you know, this way it kind of is able to emphasize some of the better songs on the album yeah. And not change it too much so that when they listen to it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's like kind of what I just listened to. But like a little different. The keyboards have a little more sparkle and, you know, maybe some mm. uh, arpeggiators. Um, I kind of try to do that, too. Like whenever there's pl- places where Tony's just holding chords, you know, I try to add some some movement to it, some arpeggiators, some like loops and stuff like that. So um, yeah. also I try to add some delays to maybe the, the drum machine so that they would kind of do some different patterns that kind of wasn't just a copy of the exact drum machine. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah. And then also just, what was it? The, uh, the radio transitions. Hmm. Um, I know that was a, a big issue. Everyone has with the album is the fade out. <laughs> yeah. You know? oh, they are so this is a way to kind of, yeah, yeah. This is kind of a way to make it. So, Cause we didn't really want to end every song like they would have done live where it's just like that. They go back to the beginning and then they play a dun, 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 you know, like, I don't know. I didn't want to. I, I feel like that would have been kind of just just as boring as fading it out. So yeah. something about adding in like almost like someone's changing the radio station and each song is a new station. Hmm. I thought was kind of cool because it's kind of like a it's a way to kind of keep it in that time frame, you know, of kind yeah. of the radio was starting to get a, like even more popular. Um, like we can't dance. Actually, the album we're doing now, we have uh, 
like every song switches with a CD player sound and then <laughs> invisible invisible touch will be like a tape little tape sound like it's like you're stopping Ooh, and cool. starting a tape so you know it's I'm kind of trying to go back with each era um, yeah. and also give it kind of a unique way to start and end each song yeah it's I mean, not it, just it, it seems yeah. like such an obvious thing doesn't it making it a radio station tuning in and out between mm, the tracks yeah. while they're fading it it makes you wonder why they didn't think right. of it themselves I mean Genesis right. always yeah. had a, a real problem with how they ended um, mm. their sets their, yeah. especially the recordings they either just did fade out or, you know, a lot of bands have a very difficult time ending a song. Genesis mm. seemed to really struggle even more than most bands. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially in their later, the later era when they're writing more songs, you know, yeah. it, it seemed like that that was more of an issue with Invisible Touch onward or maybe even, uh, you know, Shapes onward. I mean, where it, there, was, there was more fade outs than... Yeah. You still got some of the fade outs earlier on, but you felt like it was a more organic fade out based yes. on the music. Um, yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's a more proggy style. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the earlier albums uh, got around that by fading into the next track. Um, right. Because they were, they were so long and bloated. Um, quite often the tracks would lead into the another track. Um, but as they got later on, as they got more poppy and, you know, the tracks became tighter and shorter, yeah. they had a real problem with how they ended the, the various yeah, tracks. Mean, it's the fa- yeah. fade out itself isn't isn't the problem, is it? It's on calling all stations, sometimes it's fading out in the middle of a verse. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like a very clumsily done. You yeah. know, like if you listen really carefully, it's like racing and something completely different. Yeah, you know, and you're like, wait, what? What is? I haven't. I there is at all the whole exactly. Song. I think we covered yeah. that when we did the review yeah. of it. There was one track in particular <laughs> where he'd literally just started singing again, and they faded him out. When I listen to these tracks that you've done, Adam, um, I mentioned uh, in the email I originally sent you, um, there were two tracks particularly that stood out for me. One was the dividing line, and the other one was actually calling all stations. I thought you'd change them slightly with the the sound of the keyboards, especially when it came to dividing line. Mm-hmm. You gave it a slightly more. They used a lighter style of synthesizer sound for the track, and I thought it gave the the whole track. It lightened it. It gave it a much more balanced feel than the original. Was that down to something you decided to do, or was it just down to the instruments you had available? Uh, that, that was a conscious choice. Yeah. I think near the ends of the albums, as all the, the parts start to come in and I have, okay, you know, more of like a big picture look at the album. This song's done. This song's done. Now, what can I do to kind of like beef up the keyboards or, or change the keyboards so that they're not just Tony's generic analog synth sounds. I mean, for the most part, I try to keep a lot of that in there, but I wanted to kind of add a little bit more of a slightly modern take um, even more of like, you, you know, those kind of, like you were saying, the lighter sounds to kind of, kind of emphasize the, the mixture of like rock and the symphonic stuff. Cause it's kind of interesting. Cause tell, you can tell Tony was going in that direction as of course he wrote all of his, you know, uh, classic album, his classical albums. Mm, yeah. Um, but before, even before that, I mean, this, this is like really the first album where we get, or not the first one, the first one recently of the new stuff where we get a lot more strings from Tony and a lot more orchestral parts. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I guess I really did. I tried to, to, you know, at least with the keyboards, cause that's the one area I really can do something different, but I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to make it too, way too different to where it's a completely new sound, but like no. alien afternoon, for example, I, I, instead of the, we are your home part, I just did the, 
a keyboard sound, like an analog synth keyboard sound, but I tried to make it have a little bit of a voice to it, you know, um, mm. to, to try to, to, you know, to, to make it different. But also that was the thing where I didn't really just, I didn't want to go to all the trouble to record my vocals saying, you know, cause I actually tried that. I tried to just do the, we are your home part and it sounded awful. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, just record the actual words. And, and he obviously had a great synth patch and I'm not sure if he recorded into it or what he did to make that sound. But um, yeah, so a lot of the sounds I would kind of base on just, should I, you know, keep it similar because it really fits the song? Or in the case of Dividing Line, that first part where the keyboards come in, I tried to make it a little more like, I don't know, fantastical or like cinematic or something yeah. compared to before where they're really up front in the mix and they're a little aggressive, you know? Um, and I just, I never felt like that really worked in the original mix. Mm. It's a really industrial music sound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that middle part too, where it's like, you know, the little boom 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 you know mm. you know you know yeah. what i'm talking about yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but that I mean, part i tried to change a little bit more too so it wasn't quite so you know uh darker version of it i can't dance or something yeah yeah i mean i'm quite a fan of uh, front 242 i don't know if you've heard them um a kind of industrial electronica mm. from from belgium and that track dividing line is so similar to to front two four two the keyboard sound and you've really changed mm. it so obviously the notes are still the same but the sound it's not as cold which a lot of industrial music has a cold right. sound and that track in particular seemed like it was imitating that cold sound and your version doesn't have that at all it's mm. it's much lighter and yeah no i i actually prefer this version um mm. not oh, to big you up adam but <laughs> I, I just i just thought that it bought the lightness of the of the synthesizers bought something that was really missing from this track. Mm. Um, same with calling all stations as well. You you gave that a much darker, more haunted feel, which I think really does fit well with the theme of that song. Um, right. Much more than the original had. I just I just thought it brought that track really together, um, which well, for me, you. I mean, yeah. it, it was always the, the you know the main one on the album. Um, but it was never really one of my favorite tracks on the album. Right. But you just tweaked it a little bit there, and I much prefer that that sound. questions uh, we, we did want to ask was um, regarding because you said you're you're doing some more Genesis stuff and you'll you'll be doing a few more albums which we'll come on to it a bit and you can 
you know, we'll, we'll discuss exactly what it is you're doing. But you've chosen to do Genesis stuff predominantly, as far as we can tell. Now, that's got a very strong and opinionated fan base, and Calling All Stations is certainly divisive amongst mm-hmm. that fan base. Have you had any feedback on, on what you've done here? Um, yeah, for the most part, I mean, pretty much there are a couple people who will be like, it's the same as the originals, you know, whatever. And then there's, for the most part, I've gotten a lot of people who are actually very, very impressed with the production and hmm. the sounds that we're, we're, we're doing and how it kind of like is similar enough, but different enough for them to listen to it and like it. Um, you know, obviously it's like, I, this is this album and this, and, and this band is kind of it's kind of uh, toughening us up, I guess. <laughs> right. So, yeah. For feedback yeah. and reaction. Well, to do this sort of stuff, you've got to have a pretty thick skin, haven't you? Because yeah, you're always yeah. going to get somebody who's got an opinion. So have you have you found that most of the feedback has been pretty positive then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, definitely there's that one or two. Like, there's a couple. Like, I, I actually use Submit Hub to get into, like, blogs and playlists. And it's, mm-hmm. like, a, for independent artists to kind of submit their music to different curators and stuff. And yeah. Uh, I, I have this thing where it gives you a lot of feedback. People just listen to it and like just random people will, will rate it. And for the most part, it's actually been getting really good feedback. And there's, there's like this one, this was one that got like a one out of a hundred that was like, what's going on with the production? It's horrible. And then I realized <laughs> they probably only listened to the first five seconds because that's like the static of the, the radio. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And I'm like, because there's no way that that you would think it's that bad of a production to give it a one and to make that big of a comment about it. Mm. Unless you really just listen to that first five seconds where it sounds crackly and it sounds like a radio station. Um, But for the the most part, actually, it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, I haven't gotten death threats yet. (laughs) Early days. Early (laughs) days. Yeah, yeah. We've received (laughs) quite a few. You've received quite a few. Also, I guess... (laughs) Oh, is it just me? Yeah. Maybe less people are invested in this album to where they're like, why would you, you know, they're not like you're ruining a classic, you know, mm-hmm. until we get to like Invisible Touch. And that one might be a little more controversial in the sense of like, yeah. you know, but I think for that one, we're trying to keep that 80s style, but kind of also bring in some, some modern different sounds, you know, and like the middle of Domino isn't going to just sound exactly like the haunted horror sounds that Tony uses, but I want to give it some slightly different you know sounds to that yeah um, and, so, and so what made you start what made you start with calling all stations there was it just because it was the last album or was it your favorite album or? well yeah that's it, it worked out perfectly because if i had to pick one album to just probably the cover first it would have been that one because yeah. of my internal love for that album um, yeah. and and you know obviously not the whole album but those few songs that we picked mm. um so it actually just really worked out because as we go like, because if we started early, if we started like on Trespass or Genesis to Revelation, it's yeah. like uh, that's kind of a clunky thing to start with. Um, and you got to get through so many albums of worth of material to get to Calling All Stations mm-hmm. and We Can't Dance, and you know, and so also those are harder to do. And Calling All Stations, it's like their their career, they go from like harder music to easier to play music, yeah. to you know, realistically. I mean, it's in terms of time signatures and the the instrumentation and all that stuff. So, I mean. I personally think that, you know, it, it, it worked out perfectly for me because I, th- I really wanted to do this album first, but also we can say we're going in reverse chronological order and yeah. it's just an easy, it's not like we're starting with Duke, you know, which would be great, but then where do, do we go forward? Do we go back? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so it also worked out that, that, like I said, that Gino sounds a lot like Ray. So it was able, we were able to kind of start it with this, 
you know, um, with something he would really blend in really well with. And then from there on out, we've, uh, like I said, he's been sending songs for other Phil stuff and he sounds great on that too. Yeah. Um, so it's just got more of that, that Ray grittiness. <laughs> just going back to my, uh, my older daughter, I was listening to, to covering all stations in, in the kitchen. Um, and she mm-hmm. was sitting at the table doing her homework in the other room and she just kind of looked up when he started singing and he's like, that's not, that's not the right singer. Um, and she, 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 he says he's not swapping children. They can tell when it's the wrong singer on a track on an album yeah. they've very rarely heard. Yeah, right. He's ruining right. his children. <laughs> no, even the, even that's though so I don't funny. play yeah. it, yeah. recognised it. <laughs> yeah, that that's so funny. Yeah, because it's true. I mean, his voice is very distinctive. I mean, especially yeah. when you compare it to Phil's. You know, so I I actually really think Tony and Mike wrote a lot of the songs with Phil's voice in mind. I mean, mm. if you listen to a lot of those songs, can you not hear Phil singing over those songs, you know, like like One Man's Fool or Anything Now or some something like that. Yeah. I could Definitely totally see Phil singing track, over. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe sure. not obviously like not not about us or calling all state, you know, you know, some of the maybe really darker ones that they I think they worked on more with Ray. Um but I mean there's some of them that you can tell cuz they wrote cuz what Mike and Tony wrote a lot of them first, right? Mm. Then they had Nick come in, uh, uh, you know, Nick DeVirgilio and Nier, and uh, uh, that's crazy to me too that they both recorded drums, like, and they only use like yes, thirty seconds of Nick's. <laughs> it's like, oh man, what a what a disappointment. I'd be so sad if I was Nick because you know he 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 came there, he did that, and then now Tony even says he could have been the singer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, crazy, <laughs> it's, just, it? it's really funny, uh, <laughs> but because uh, uh, it's an odd way of working, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked Nick, and I think he he would have been interesting because he would have had that double drum thing still in the in the band, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he could have run back to the drums. He's he's got the higher voice. He did that with Spock's beard. He took over when Neil Morse left, and yeah. So I I think that would have been kind of cool. There's always so many speculations, like what ifs, with calling all stations. What if they had David Longden? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, But also, I love Ray for what he is. I think it's just it's the things around. The, it's like it's almost like Tony and Mike wrote all these songs, and were just like they didn't really know what they wrote these songs, but they didn't know what they wanted to really do. They yeah. just kind of were writing what they kind of were what yeah. came to their heads, but they didn't really have much of a direction. It didn't seem like. Yeah, I think, um, I think that was always the problem with this album for me. I don't. It always felt like it was a bit directionless. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, there's so, a lot of like pop songs that you could tell they would have written with Phil in mind, um, like if that's what you need or. Um, uh, what are some of the other ones? Like uh, maybe Uncertain Weather, but I think he works on Uncertain Weather, uh, oh, but yeah, Not yeah, About yeah. Us and Shipwrecked, you know, um, yeah. those kind of pop songs that like, they weren't really a pop band anymore. And so the songs that work on this album are the longer, more progressive songs. And and I think if they had just kind of focused on, you know, getting back to that original sound, like they were kind of, that's what they talked about during their promotion, which they did very little of, by the way. I mean, I'm doing more promo, I think, than they, <laughs> than they did on that tour. Because you know how they used to they didn't go on Good Morning America and talk or anything. It's like you didn't get Tony and Mike on these shows that much. It was like compared to normal where they'd have Phil. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, people were just not probably not aware of it uh, for the most part, you know, unless you were in that circle. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. Because yeah. what did he he quit in like '94, but then he officially quit in '96 or something. So it's like, yeah. what was happening in those four or five? I guess that was when the, when Tony was writing his solo album and Mike was writing his solo album, and they were kind of just you know, 
trying to figure that. But also, Tony wrote Island in the Darkness during that time. Mm. I really wish that would have been on Calling All Stations. Because <laughs> that's like one of my favorite songs. Yes, that's, that's one Gary. Yes. Oh, yeah. You haven't heard that yet? Oh, that's, that's a great one. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah, it's only 18 minutes, so. <laughs> Is that all? Wow. <laughs> but you got a nice little uh, Daryl Stummer solo. And uh, it's it's great. I, I personally really like that. I think that's kind of what definitely Tony's best song, and I think it was his last pop, like pop rock song yeah. on, on any of his albums, right? Yeah, yeah, because he went on so, to uh, his classical albums after that, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we said in the podcast about Call All Stations that it was a shame they didn't do another album where they all work together on it because I think that would have given it that kind of yeah cohesion i suppose is the right word that, that i think i can call all stations is just lacking right. that yeah you know that somebody somewhere looks with pride they're satisfied going to ask about about your future projects you mentioned a couple of the things you're doing can you just tell us a bit more about those um yeah uh, some of the other things uh, basically uh, i do film scoring on the side that's something i i do as well as as this projects and then my full-time podcast editing um but i'm also i'm part of a little four person group uh that we uh, another online creation um, it's called Composely.com. Think of it as like Upwork mixed with like Match.com or something, but it's like kind of like a way for composers and filmmakers to connect mm. and, and like create stuff together. Because like right now, if you're a composer and you're trying to find jobs, you're just kind of looking around, you know? And if you're a filmmaker and you're looking for a composer, you just kind of go to a Facebook group and then you get 40 DMs from a bunch of composers. So we're basically trying to create this process of a streamlined website called Composely.com that's... If you're a filmmaker and you need a composer or music, you come there and you'll specify what you need, like what kind of music, and then we'll kind of match you up with a composer. So it's, um, you know, it's kind of this thing that we're, we've been developing it for about a year, year and a half, um, even a little longer, but it's, uh, it is launching soon. But by the time you got, you know, that this is, this is active, this might, it might even be out. So, um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's something, that's another little thing we're working on that's kind of on the side that's uh, related to the film scoring and the composing side of my life. Um, but in terms of cover stuff, I mean, we'd love to also do Marillion, uh, maybe Pink Floyd, 
you know, we're trying to think of some other bands that maybe other than Genesis mm. we would all creatively be into doing. And I think those are a couple others. So would you approach those bands in the same way that you've done Genesis and do a specific album and a selection of tracks from one album? Or would you do a, a cherry pick a few different songs from different albums for those? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I feel like it would be a different process um, in terms of, I think Pink Floyd especially, I think we'd want to be a little more like, taking select parts from different eras mm. uh, versus doing like six songs from the division bell, yeah. you know, or something like that. Cause it's, that's not really, when I think of me personally, when I'm thinking of Pink Floyd, I do think of their, their big legacy songs that they're, you know, that they like, like pulse, like pulse is one of the best live DVDs yes. of all time. And yeah. uh, like the songs on there, like the, some of that kind of stuff, um, the big Epic, kind of stuff i think even more so than maybe some of the smaller little moments in dark side of the moon or something but you know that's kind of a thing where we'll kind of reassess later but i think marillion is another one where you know we probably that one we maybe would do more of the albums thing mm. um once again starting probably in reverse chronological order yeah only because i, I don't i don't think we'd all want to start on script for adjusters here you know mm. Um, just because that music is so different, it's so vastly different, and it, just like Genesis, yes. you know, in their yeah. eras, it is. to where it, it eventually ends up, you know, to a more kind of more organic symphonic rock kind of thing, versus the just '80s prog rock, which is what they were, in, you know, with Fish, um, you know, and obviously there's some amazing, some amazing stuff in there, um, and that's where it'll be easier to maybe do like a like one album that's like the seven or eight best Fish Merlin songs. Yeah. But I can see marbles, something like marbles or, you know, fear, like, or happiness. Like, there's so much stuff in those albums mm. that it would be hard to maybe just just do a couple. You know, it'd probably be like, well, let's do a happiness album and let's do a fear album. And uh, it's kind of funny saying those next to each other. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so that's so I think with Marillion, we would probably do more, more stuff. And that's probably would be the next one we're going to do. Hmm. Um but uh, but right now, yeah, we're finishing up the the next two Genesis ones, uh, and then after that, for Abacab, we're actually only doing the single. We're only doing Abacab the single. All right. Just because personally, that's kind of that's probably my unfortunately my least favorite album. Because mm-hmm. um, like '83, I think is where they get that sound perfected. You know, yeah. it's like Duke Duke is amazing. Duke's like one of the, like probably one of my favorite albums from them. Oh yeah. But then, mm-hmm. and then you've got Abacab kind of sandwiched in the middle. It's kind of like somewhere else from Marillion is kind of how yeah. I, I feel like it feels like this, like these ideas that didn't go on Duke or, or shapes, you know? So, uh, but that's just me personally. So I think we're, you know, I think we're just going to do the single for that one. Um, but we, we're going to do a lot of stuff from Duke and, um, Maybe the first side of uh, shapes. Um, yeah, the second side is kind of you could take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, <laughs> I think, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think we did say that if you mash together the best tracks from Abacab and from from Genesis, you'd have a really, really good album. You'd have a really good yeah. album. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you got like Dodo and Lurker yeah. in there, and um, you know. Keep it dark is uh, one of my favorites. Keep it, that, yeah, so. keep it dark. Exactly, that totally fits in with with stuff like Home by mm. the Sea and Mama. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I think we said that when we were reviewing it that yeah. you know those sort of tracks almost feel like they belong on the same album. Right. Yeah, and I mean because they what was it, 80, 81, and eighty three. I mean that's that's a lot of time to write. I mean that's I mean that's a small amount of time to write a lot of music. Yeah. You know, and so the fact that a lot of that started to blend together 
kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's why I kind of like how they kind of gave themselves a little bit more of like a break between each album for the for the next few albums, mm-hmm. you know, because we got a little bit uh, some different stuff that came out of it. Yeah. So when are, when are you expecting to drop your your next parts of this project? Or- um. Well, right now we're kind of in the process of finishing the last bits bits of we can't cover, and that's uh, we're, we're right now we're doing six songs. Um. We're not we're not sure about the full release date, but it'll probably be mm, thinking mid March. Um, okay. We'll probably once we get everything fully mixed, cover song license takes about fourteen days to to uh, to clear, mm-hmm. you know, so we can actually release them. Because because then there's cause that's the other biggest comment I get is is just do you have all the licensings and all is this copyright free or are you gonna get in trouble or are you gonna get sued yeah. like from all these people on Facebook? And so no, I'm yeah, it, it's all good because on DistroKid, which is my distributor, they actually have like a cover song license feature where you can do that and. You know, cool. they get a little bit of the money from the from the income. Yeah, so. cool. So, so March for that for for that one, and then later in the year for the yep. uh, invisible. You call it invisible cover. Yeah. So we got we can't cover, but it's funny because in the artwork I kind of highlighted the word can. Yeah. So it's like yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was actually my my dad's idea. He's like, but you can cover, so you should say that. <laughs> I was like, ah, all right. Um, but so so that uh, and then invisible covers. Um, and then I, I think for the, um, for the Genesis album, we're thinking, I'm thinking shapes and covers, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of an idea for one. And then there's Duke's covers, yeah. which is like, you know, Duke's travels, Duke's end. Uh, and then Abacab's just going to be called Abacab. cover. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, because, yeah, because, you know, like I said, instead of starting like a full band that's like a new like, regenesis or something like yeah. that, it's, it, you know, all all of the band members actually don't really have a Gino is the only one with this real like a real platform that he actually has like a Spotify channel. Yeah. But Matt and Brooks don't. So they they're just kind of kind of you know using the Music Man platform to kind of get their music out mm. there, too, as well. And so. Um, that's why we kind of are just keeping under that banner and that uh, umbrella versus yeah. creating a whole new Genesis ident you know new band and identity and stuff. It's like because it technically this is my this was my first album mm. on on my profile, so I'm gonna try to make it so that the full albums are only covers, you know. Yeah. And so that's kind of I think what I'm I'm realizing is that I want to do more is is covers of stuff because yeah. that's I've done a lot of originals, but 
they really don't there's no traction no one hears them unless they have a reason to listen yeah which is a lot of times yeah. listening to a cover and then they're like oh wow he's got some cool stuff so that's kind of what I've been focusing on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the trouble with the music industry today, isn't it? It's, it, it's all about streaming and finding yep. that new yep. stuff. It's heavily skewed towards existing artists with um, a big back catalogue. Yeah, it's it's crazy because Neil, Neil Morse, actually, he's been a super against streaming. Mm. Um, he basically, like, when you look him up, I think it's like some, even like Transatlantic aren't on. I, I, I think last time I checked, Spotify was... On Spotify, he wasn't like none of Neil Morse's projects, none of his Spock Spirit albums, none of his Transatlantic albums, none of his solo albums. Mm. Um, because I think he's just very much in the like, I want to stick with this old school method of selling CDs, yeah. you know. Um, unfortunately, though, I think that's gonna hurt him, you know. I don't, I don't know if he's thinking big picture yeah. about that because I really think you, you know, I, I get that he's saying yeah. it's like, oh, well, someone can listen to a song and they don't have to pay that much, it's like, yeah, but you're you are getting royalties over time mm. and it will help you get more exposure. And, you know, so I, I do wonder why he decided not to do so much of the streaming, but maybe that's changed since the last time I checked, but uh, yeah, he's yeah. very against it. It seemed like yeah, my take on that has always been that you can download stuff um, so easily nowadays. You can use torrents. Mm-hmm. Why would you not put your f- music onto something like Spotify where at least you can get something? Because you aren't going to get anything right. from a torrent yeah. that gets downloaded, yeah. but you are going to, it's a pittance and it should be more. Absolutely, I agree. But you're going to get yeah. something rather than nothing. And it's also down to the fact that you're, you're, you get more exposure yeah. Yeah. Than, than, you know, people, if, if you just sell uh, CDs, people have got to go into a record shop, buy the CDs, and mm. how right. many people right. do that now? Most people yeah. will just yeah. stream stuff. And, you know, if you, if you, if you miss out on that exposure, you could potentially miss out on a large yeah. portion of people yeah. you might listen to. It's true. It's kind of like a lot of the filmmakers now who are, you know, talking about how, you know, uh, you know, like uh, Christopher Nolan being really super mad about like Tenet and stuff like all, all these movies not being in theaters mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time and going to streaming and all that. It's like, but you're going to, you realize you're going to probably get more eyeballs on it with streaming, yeah. you know, like then maybe right now, currently in this current state, mm-hmm. people go into movie theaters and so it's kind of the same thing with this, I feel like. And, it, you know, people can go to his website and buy the CDs, obviously. But there is something different about, oh, let me just look up on Spotify and look at his discography and play some of his songs. You know, like, unless you're a hardcore fan and you know a new CD's coming out, you're not going to just go to racketrecords.com or, you know, or, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's I think that you're definitely missing something by not just having your music out there. Because at this point, music is... It's it's such a part. It's like it's like entertainment. It's such a part of our lives, or it's not before like a luxury, mm. where it was a physical item every time. You know, if people have gotten so used to just being able to listen to anything anytime. I just feel like you can't hold on to that. And streaming, of course, makes it so much more portable and uh, available to yeah. people. Yeah, right. Because not everyone has CD players, <laughs> you know, anymore. Yeah. Um, um, I was I've 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 worked with uh, several people, obviously, um, but. Uh, there's this one young guy who works there and I had this conversation with him uh, many months ago. And I think I mentioned it on the podcast. We were talking about music and he couldn't believe 
that I would sit down and listen to an album. <laughs> he, he said, "He said, well, well, what else are you doing at the time while you're listening to music? And I was saying, no, no, I'm just sitting down and listening to an album. He really just could not grasp that at all. But what are you looking at, though? And where's your mind going? Yeah, I know. He was just like an alien concept to him. He would spend any amount of time yeah. just concentrating on one thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I always loved just listening to an album and like while I was looking at the the artwork or the liner notes or something, yeah. you know, I mean, um, calling all stations was also one of those that I always loved, even though it's like kind of not really creative artwork. I've always just liked the colors and the, the, all the little swirls and the blue and the black and the little man. And I've always like, just liked the, some of the stuff in those little, you know, liner notes and the artwork and stuff. And that's fun to want to look at while you're listening to it. Cause you kind of, it's immersing you on like another level. Uh, you know, yeah, but it, it is it is being most immersed in that album. Yes. you're not you're not reading you're, Tom Sawyer right. while you while you're you know listening to that album. So it's it's just another level of immersion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not posting on on uh, social media while you're listening to the big solo keyboard solo, and you just completely miss it. You know, it's like you literally get everything, and it, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and, and that's something that I definitely need to try to do more you know i think i've been doing that a little bit more with uh with the covers i've been trying to trying to do something like that with these albums and listening to the originals trying to get as much of that as i can but also trying to incorporate other elements you know as well yeah. uh, but but yeah there is a lost art to just sitting and listening to a, a record or a cd or a tape or whatever all these old pieces of technology So tell us then, whereabouts can people hear your projects? Pretty much all platforms, all streaming platforms. I mean, I was yeah, I was able to get it onto you know Apple Music, mm-hmm. Spotify, um, Deezer, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, all the you know title. There's like thousands of them, but really, pe- everyone only uses like four. So yeah. <laughs> um, you know, wherever you can find music. Is that a difficult <laughs> process to get that uploaded? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, like I said, I use DistroKid, and they're kind of more of an independent kind of distributor that really they've gotten a lot bigger in the last few years, yeah. and. Um, you know, they make cover songs really easy. They make splitting royalties really easy. Like, diff- just all the upload process is, is, is very simple, very easy to understand. Mm. And uh, so it's 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 definitely not 
That, that part doesn't take very long at all. That's yeah. the easy part. <laughs> I guess I'll also mention if you want to follow, you know, follow on social media, it's just at Music Man, M-U-Z-I-K-M-4-N. And uh, yeah, those are my two. I really just use Twitter and uh, Instagram. And then you can just search the same name on uh, on Spotify and Apple Music and all that. Fantastic. Uh, Spotify is where I've listened to it. So I think uh, I think I mentioned in the email, I've cool. probably earned you about a, a half of a cent uh, <laughs> <laughs> of the amount of time I've listened to it. <laughs> but it's very good. There you, well, thank you. Thank you. Very good. Totally I appreciate enjoyable. that. Well worth checking yeah. out listeners um and looking forward to hearing your future projects and uh, thanks for coming on the show really appreciate yeah, it yeah thanks for having me appreciate it oh thank you very much it's been very entertaining yeah same and uh we, we shall sign off now so take care adam and good luck with your future projects thanks guys yeah i appreciate uh you know you having me on and talk, love talking genesis and let me know if you ever want to do this again and uh uh, definitely excited to release more albums so that I'm not just a, uh, or we're not just a Genesis Calling All Stations cover band, uh, but we're a Genesis cover band. <laughs> <laughs> Full on Genesis. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks. There we go. Great big thank you to Adam for doing that uh, interview with us. We had a really good time, really good chat. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, listeners. I just want to shout out to uh, the rest of the band. We did mention them in the episode, but I wanted to give them a shout out now. So on vocals, you have Gino Samuel, who's based in Tokyo, Japan. On drums, you've got Matt Roland Hall, who's based here in the UK in Cambridge. On guitars, you've got Brooks Lee, who's based in Atlanta, Georgia. And of course, on keys, bass and production, you've got Adam Galloway, who's based in Los Angeles in California. You can follow Adam on Instagram and Twitter at MusicMan, which is at M-U-Z-I-K-M-4-N. Music Man. Um, well worth a follow. Uh, you can also go to his website, which is uh, simply the same, musicman.com. So again, M-U-Z-I-K-M-4-N.com. Please support Adam by listening to his stuff on Spotify or wherever you listen to your stream of music. It's well worth it. And I think you'll enjoy the album if you've not already listened to it. You can support the podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com searching for the Revelation Station and paying the price of a coffee. And remember, if you do that, you also get access to 10 exclusive mini-episodes that are only available to people who donate. Thank you very much to all those who have donated already. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. A little bit different. We'll be back soon with another review episode. But before we go, Adam's given us an exclusive clip of his next project we can't cover please enjoy take care
have you got a way of finishing this off, Simon? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know I never do. I relive it one second at a time.